Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the latest instalment of the Gels Net Weekly Podcast, hosted by myself, Craig Gray. It's Sunday, the 5th of March, 2023, and we're going to be here to talk all things Rangers, noted, uh, notably the 3 one win over Kilmarnock at Ibrox yesterday. Um, just to, to go through the usual sort of formalities before we start, guys, this is the Gels Net Podcast, the independent Rangers for, uh, podcast made for fans by fans. And all content is free. You can get us over um, at the forum at jailsnet.co.uk. And there's lots of articles on there. Um, we've had one um, recently this week. And it's been put up, which is quite good. Um, obviously, the podcast with ourselves um, and the history archive as well. So go and check out the website. You can get us over on Twitter as well, at Jailsnet Online. Um, and just before we start as well, just want to give a little shout out to our sponsors. And that is Forest Precision Engineering. They're a subcontract Glasgow-based engineering company who have been a big commercial supporter for Rangers for many years and we're absolutely delighted that they're backing our podcast. You can get them over at forestprecisioneng.com and you can also visit the Forest Precision Executive Lounge, a stunning new hospitality area within the historic main stand. For more information on how to book this unique and intimate space, you can email the club via hospitality at rangers.co.uk. Now, now that we've got that out of the way, um, need to introduce you to my guest. First up, Brian Archer. Brian, um, we spoke on Friday, and like I said when we were offline, I've went less Jedward in um, with the, the hairstyle today, so they decided to, to not do anything. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm doing good. I know you've, you've kind of toned it down a bit with the, the hairstyle, but yeah, doing well. Um, good, good victory on yeah, Saturday to cheer me up a bit. How are you? I come not too bad. Um, here to talk about Rangers, so... Um, that will definitely perk us up. Um, also joining us tonight is Mr. Ross Bennett. Ross, I don't think I've been on with you for a, for a wee while. How are you? How are you doing, mate? I'm very well. Yeah, no, I had a, a good result yesterday. Um, at about 12.45 today, I saw the, the half-time score St Mirren versus Celtic, and I was in a very good mood. Um, less good mood by about 2 o'clock, I suppose, but I mean, I've just seen the Man United result as well. So no matter how bad things get at Ibrooks, at least we haven't just had a 7-0 pumping from our rivals. No, that is a very, very good point. Um, and to be honest, keeping in mind with that Man United Liverpool result earlier, maybe our seven one thrashing off Liverpool wasn't he so bad earlier this season. At least we got a goal late ten hag. Um but yeah, obviously, um need to speak about the game yesterday. Um Brian, I'll start with you. It was a three one one, pretty good first half performance. Not so great in the second half, but um it was job done and a, a bit of a recovery after the final last week. Yeah, we spoke on Friday about the kind of need for a fast start and the kind of impact the crowd might play, might play in terms of needing to kind of be on the players to get them up for it. And I think they did that from from kind of the, the early stages. They, they seemed right at it. They were quick to every ball. I liked the kind of one-touch play, particularly from Cantwell. He was tremendous in that first half. Some of his kind of interplay we were asking and Jack, I thought was really good and we sort of blew them away in, in the first half, kind of like we said we needed to. Um, and then I'm sure we'll talk about the, the second half was kind of almost a non-event, um, unfortunately. But, you know, first half performance-wise, we can't really fault them. So it's probably the best first half we've seen at Ibrox, certainly, since, since Michael Bill came in. I know we keep going back to the result with Tynecastle. But in terms of at home, I would say that's probably the, the best we've played in the first half, certainly. Yeah, Ross, Brian's saying they're the best we've probably had in the first half since Beal's taken over at Ibrox. Would you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, I thought it probably is. It was very um, 
very fast, very dynamic. It looked very creative and, and we carried a threat. We could have gone in 5-0 up and I don't think anyone could have complained if we'd gone in 5-0 up at halftime were it not for the fact that fashion's a Zakala you know, you never really know what you're going to get so um, he missed a couple of really really golden chances um, I agree, you know, the, the Tynecastle performance a couple of months back a very very complete dominant 90 minute performance but um, I was really happy with the response uh, for the first half yesterday the response after the cup final um, I think we showed hunger and desire and passion and fight um, that seemed to bleed away in half time for some reason, but uh, yeah, no, I, I don't think we can. I don't think we can ask for more. You know, you come you come away from a disappointing cup final where you lose two one against your rivals. Uh, to go into the next, you know, go into half time in the next game three 0 up, I think is is the perfect response. Yeah, absolutely, and especially if the the opponent as well. I mean, Brian, I was saying on Friday how you know I didn't. I didn't really expect much from this game. Obviously, I expected Rangers to go on and win relatively comfortably, but I felt it would have been a bit of a, a scrappy match. And, you know, like you said, getting that fast start was was definitely the key, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think we said, we kind of predicted how Derek McInnes would set up. He would try and frustrate and he would try and make it difficult. We know how Derek McInnes teams set up against Rangers. And I think the key thing was we never really let them frustrate us because we were so quick from the off. We never let them do that thing of, you know, taking the extra 10 seconds over goal kicks and throw ins because we got our goal early on. It, it kind of made their their that sort of went out the window a bit because um, if they wanted to kind of take the extra 10 seconds over throw ins and goal kicks at that point, then it's kind of their time they're wasting um, whereas getting the early goal. So I think that really helps in, in these types of games and it's these types of teams that we're going to play more often than not I brought in terms of they want to they want to come in frustrate and they want to get the crowd can I get their back up a bit and get the groans starting but if we start fast and we get a goal early then that kind of throws that out of the window so it was definitely good to see it's something I think that we've complained about quite a lot since people come in is not having the, the fast starts and needing that half time kick up the backside to get them get them going and it's probably the first one of the the few times since he's came in but he's not really had to deliver that so that was nice to see yeah and, and Ross it's a weird one because as Brian mentioned there you know most of the time since Beals came back it's been a slow start you get the boot up the backside at half time and then we come out all guns blazing in the second half actually seemed weirdly to be the opposite effect yesterday wasn't it yeah it was absolutely the, the, the inverse of the norm I suppose but it's it's a little frustrating in a way because we probably are still searching for a complete 90-minute performance at home. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't believe that we've necessarily been treated to a really dominant performance for it for the, the entirety of the game at Ibrox under Beal. Now, obviously, results-wise in the league, uh, that doesn't matter at all. You look at the results that we've had um, with with just what, two points dropped in the what, eleven league games or however many it is that he's that he's been there for. So. Uh, I, I certainly can't complain on the results front um, and I suppose there's a psychological element to yesterday as well you know you're you're playing a team who I think now are joint bottom of the league if I'm not mistaken you're 3-0 up at half time you're coasting you're cruising um, I, the players are undoubtedly looking ahead to Wednesday night where they're facing a fairly resurgent Hibs side who have turned things around under, um, under Johnson so uh, I, I suspect they subconsciously perhaps took their foot off the gas and, and, and relaxed a little bit and, and became a little bit lazier, a, bit, a little bit sloppier, which is frustrating to see as a fan. Um, but no, I do still think that we are searching for 
a total 90-minute domination performance um, at, at Ibrox. As I say, we've, we've mentioned uh, Tyne Castle as, as, as a really, really good example of that away from home. Um, and I still think, but I, I have this personal feeling that Beale still has quite a lot of work to do to win over a certain number of our fans. I think uh, there's a certain section of the fan base that wasn't happy with Beale taking the job in the first place, don't feel he has the right experience or whatever. Um, I think if he can find a way to get those players to put in a dominant 90-minute performance uh, at Ibrooks consistently, then then that'll go a long way to winning everyone over. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's, it is a bit of a concern for me, I won't lie, because, you know, you mentioned them earlier, Ross, you know, we need to, obviously the Celtic game, you look at them over a 90-minute period, um, they weren't great in the first half today, but, you know, they go out and completely black St Mirren and score five goals in the second half. Um, so it is something that, that we're going to have to start doing, those 90-minute performances, because this season, it's clear that it's the old firm games that are going to make up who wins the league and who doesn't. Um, you know, because... With the greatest respect, I, I I think this is the worst standard of of the SPFL Premiership that I've ever seen out with the old firm. Um, you know, like today watching watching that Celtic game, you know, St Mirren were frustrating Celtic, but there, there was an inevitability that they were going to get that goal, especially when St Mirren went down to ten men. Um, and also as well, like watching the first half, it was like as soon as St Mirren went a goal up. They just didn't know what to do. Um, some of their play was was terrible. They, they, you know, they probably deserved to go on maybe a point at halftime. I wouldn't say all, you know, taking the lead as such, but it was just really bad. I mean, all they were doing was every time Trevor Carson had the ball, he was just booting it up the park and he was literally just passing it to Joe Hart. I mean, he couldn't even control like his punts up the park into like a corner or anything like that to try and push Celtic in their own half, it was just straight back to Joe Hart and then Celtic start again, start again, start again and inevitably they're going to score from that which they've shown so many times this season I think with Rangers this season um, I'm slowly but surely getting that belief back that we will get a result even if we're a goal down because we've done it now several times under Bill where we've went behind, we've done it against Kilmarnock, Cabs, Aberdeen, we've went behind and we, we pegged them back eventually. So that's something that I think the belief's there in terms of doing that, but you're right, Ross, we need that that 90 minute performance. And Ross, how, how concerning is it for you about the fact that we're not getting these full game performances yet? Because as you say, I think we're what, 15, 16 games into the Beale era. And I do think that when it comes to playing Celtic, the games in which the championship will be won or lost, you need to put in a 90 performance. You can't play well in 20, 30 minute um, periods like we done last Sunday. And obviously we know what happened there. Yeah, I think um, I think when it comes to the bigger games, the more difficult games and the old firm is, is absolutely the right way to highlight that. Um, we need to be at it and dominant for 90 minutes in those games. And, and I, I would I would include Hibs midweek in that because they are one of the form sides in the league at the moment and going there is always a hostile and intimidating place. So um, we've seen it in, in Beal's two matches against Celtic so far. You know, the League Cup final uh, last weekend, our start was atrocious and it was only when the formation or the, or the personnel was changed that, 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 that slightly started to turn for me. Um, but you could argue it was the same with the... Uh, the league old firm game uh, at New Year there, uh, where I, again I, we started fairly pedestrian and we started fairly slow. Um, but 
as you say, we are competing in, no disrespect, but this is a disrespectful thing to say, we're competing in a weak league at the moment. We're competing against weaker teams. Um, so actually 90% of the games, it doesn't concern me at all. Because even as we go to places like Pataudry, uh, I have confidence like yourself that we will find goals and we will turn it around. And we, even if we're only dominant for 45 minutes, we're still good enough to get the result in that 45 minutes. Um, so 90% of games doesn't concern me at all. And I think the, the, the league results bear that out. Um, but yeah, for those bigger games, it, it does concern me. But I, what, what I will also say is that I think we all would agree that Michael Beale is working with a squad that does not match up or live up to our expectations at the moment and personnel should be better in that playing squad. I have confidence that when he has the, the players that he wants in there, we'll see a very, very, very different team. Yeah, let's let's hope so, Ross. And, and Brian, just, just on that, I mean, we are putting in maybe not the best of performances for, for the 90 minutes, but we are getting the results. Is it a concern to you that we're not, we're not getting those, those full-game performances yet? I think when it comes to the bigger games, yes. I think when you when you go to play Celtic, you need to, to put in these ninety minute performances. But I think against the rest of the the league, and I think you probably see this in, in what Celtic tend to do. I, I'm not convinced that they tend to put in ninety minute full throttle performances. They'll blow teams away for sixty minutes, and then inevitably take their foot off the gas. My problem is on Saturday we played well for the first half. We blew them away, and then instead of taking our foot off the gas, we almost stopped. And we let them back into it for a spell. And that's my problem. I don't really have any any issues with us blowing teams away in the first half or for the first 60 minutes and then taking our foot off the gas and conserving energy, but still kind of maintaining that, that dominance and that control of the game. But And I think generally that's what happens. Generally, you don't get 90 minutes full throttle every game. That's unlikely, unlikely to happen in, in any team, really. Um, but my problem with Saturday and my problem is that at times this season, instead of taking our foot off the gas, taking care of energy or maintaining some sort of control, we've stopped and we've let teams back into it or we've started slowly and let them take the lead. And for me, that's kind of what we need to fix is, yes, the 90-minute performances, we're going to need to put those in against Celtic. But for me just now, I think we almost need to have 60-minute full throttle performances or 75-minute throttle performances to just blow teams away get the convincing lead and then we can take a foot off the gas and conserve energy and maintain control Yeah that's an interesting point and you make a good sort of comparison there with Celtic and, and that that is what they do I think with them as well it, it helps that you know on the 60 minute mark you can bring on you know up to five players who are all multi-million pound signings and you know I just don't think our squad is at that level yet? Well, that's maybe the wrong the wrong phrase. It probably is at that level. I think if you look at both squads on paper individually, I don't think there's there's anything in it. To be honest, I think it is a coin toss. It's just that none of their players are available <laughs> most of the time, and also the this season they've just for whatever reason, you know, the performances haven't been there. People, it seems, have checked out. You know, which which obviously happens in football in any in any walk of uh, life, really. Brian, one thing that I've I've sort of picked up, and it's not in the agenda, but just thinking about it there. Um, the last few weeks we've had breaks in between games of a week, pretty much. Um, obviously that runs stopping with the game at Easter Road midweek, but that was probably the first time since having that sort of seven day turnaround from the last game that we've went in and put in, you know, 
any type of good performance because you look at the last couple of weeks, the Celtic game obviously was horrific, um, especially the start. And that was probably one of the things that disappointed me the most, the fact that we had a whole week to prepare for it. I know a couple of players were a wee bit niggly with injuries and stuff like that, but there's still no excuse for putting for putting that start in that we did. Um, the Partick Fissel game as well, I know we made changes, obviously, because it was a cup game, but wasn't really there either. Um, Ross County game as well, the 2-1, that was a bit laboured, you know, so do you think now that maybe we're, we're, we're getting to that performance level after having that, that sort of week off? I hope so. I also think there's an element of the players maybe felt on the week before they kind of owed us a performance. I think they knew they'd underperformed the week before. They, I think they, they probably feel the same as you. And I think John Lundstrom said as much, although he was criticised for it, that he didn't feel as much between the two teams when everyone's on for him. And he said that they just didn't turn up. And I think they probably were as angry about that as, as us. So I think they went out on Saturday with the belief that, you know, we've let the fans down there. We need we kind of owe them a performance. And I think they really went went for it from the from the first whistle, but we need to be doing that, you know, more consistently, not just after a bad defeat. And that's kind of where we need to get to. And I think the other thing that helped is there looked to be a freshness in the team. We can't well and Raskin. I know that's quite a cliche thing to say when new players come in, but they did look to inject some some real energy in that the middle of the park. You know, even even guys like Ryan Jack, he looked, you know, more kind of his usual self with Raskin next to him. That's a combination I wanted to see since Raskin come in. I think that could be a really good combination in the middle of the park. And I'm kind of interested to see now and Tillman comes back, how does Michael Beal fit? You know, Raskin, Cantwell, Tillman, Jack, can all into the team or does he have his preferred three out of those four or five if you include Kamara and then you've also got Lundstrom. So it, all of a sudden now it looks like we've got options. So hopefully that helps in terms of he's been able to maybe pick different players for different teams. He's been able to rest players when they need a rest. I think it's clear that John Lundstrom hasn't been fit for a while. Even before he got injured, there was he was saying that he was carrying injury. So hopefully this will give Bill the chance to take him out of the firing line. Kamara as well, I think he said that he needs an operation, I think was mentioned before. So hopefully this gives these types of players the time to make him out of the firing line. And then let pressure players like Raskin and Cantwell come in and show what they can do. So hopefully that means we're on the road to seeing that kind of first half performance on a more consistent basis. Yeah, hopefully. And Ross, something that I found quite interesting in the manager's press conference yesterday. Um, I don't, I can't remember what he said verbatim, but it was it was basically that we kind of lacked that control in the second half because Jack and Raskin were starting to feel it a little bit. Um, and then when he got the sort of the fresher players on the likes of Lundstrom, that's when we we started to get that control again. Um, a point I've made here, obviously, we started the game with Jack Raskin, uh, Cantwell, the same midfield that we finished the Celtic game with when the performance was obviously a lot better. Do you think that 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 was maybe a bit of a um, an admission um, from the manager that he got that that lineup wrong last week in the midfield? Well, I think we could see it half-time of last weekend's cup final that he'd got that midfield selection wrong. But um, yeah, I think he he made a bad choice last week. I think he'll be the first to admit that as well. Um, I I actually don't even think that Ryan Jack is going to be a first-choice centre midfielder um, when, when everyone's fit. 
Um, but I, I, I think as fans, we we want to see the likes of of Cantwell and Raskin starting. You know, they've been brought in. We we probably actually all wanted and, and maybe expected more signings uh, in January. So I think the minimum that we expect now is to see those two starting games. And and from what I've seen of them, um, they're both very very capable of being hugely important players for us in this league. You know, they're they're, they're high quality players. Um, I I still don't really understand why they didn't start last weekend. Whether it was uh, fitness reasons, whether it was that he didn't want to risk them in their first old firm in a cup final and and have them overwhelmed by the occasion. Um, but I I would like to think that going on week on week now those two. But look, you could see it again in, in yesterday's performance that um, those two are clearly bringing a different kind of energy, um, new ideas to the team. They are Beal signings. I think that's really, really important that they're not another manager's players. Um, throw Tillman into that mix. It's very exciting. Bring back a, a fit Yanis Hadji, and that's very exciting as well. Um, and the, the, you know that midfield is looking very competitive now for, for different styles of games. Um, we've spoken a lot as as fans. We've spoken over the last probably twelve months about how frustrating it can be to see Glenn Kamara, Ryan Jack, and John Lundstrom all playing together in the same midfield because it's it's so packed and it's quite slow and it's very defensive and negative. Um, but conversely, we could see a midfield of Campwell, Raskin, and Tillman, um, which would be very creative, very exciting to watch, but not right for every game. Um, so it looks like we've got a lot more flexibility and a lot more options. And then we go back to what you said, Craig, a few minutes ago, that it feels that Celtic at the moment can get to 60, 65, 70 minutes, go to their bench and bring on multi-million pound or international players. Well, we're getting closer to that now. I think we need more of a rebuild in the summer. Um, but if all of these players are getting fit, yeah, I think we're, we're getting close. Yeah, I think so as well. And a comment I've got here from CGM55. At home is a midfield three with both Jack and Raskin. They did Raskin, Cantwell and Tillman would be interesting. Um, yeah, I suppose that, that is an interesting point. I think the way that Bill likes to play is you've got one setter, um, then an eight that can sort of play both boxes, I feel like, and then your, your ten who's going to be basically trying to cause cause chaos for the opposition. Um going forward. Um, Cantwell, I thought, was very interesting because whilst, Brian, he was playing as a 10 yesterday, he was all over the place. Like, not in a bad way, guys. Like, he was he was all over the pitch. Um, at times, he was covering Tavit right back and stuff like that as well, I noticed. Um, the guy, I know, obviously, we've got, we'll talk more in depth about his performance later on, but, um, you know, he seemed to be able to just do everything, you know, like one part of his game that I've noticed that he's really good at is like his flexibility. I don't know if you notice like the way that he sticks his legs out, it's a wee bit like a frog, right? It's like you can stick his leg out and sort of get the ball from places where you maybe shouldn't be able to do it. There was a point in, I think it was the second half where the ball was going out, that he's managed to stretch his leg sort of long enough that he can, he can keep the ball in play. So... For me, that sort of athleticism is something that in the midfield we have been just crying out for for ages. On that comment there, Brian, do you think at home games we're, we're having to play with two sitters? I know Raskin's not a sitter as such, but um, what, what, what do you make of that comment? Yeah, I think Michael Beale likes his two sitters. I think he said previously that he prefers that system. Yeah, but I think I put in the in the WhatsApp chat yesterday about potentially playing Tillman, Raskin and 
and Cantwell as a midfield three. Um, I think I don't like to make this comparison too obvious, but too often. But if you if you look at um, the other side of the side, you know they they tend not to play with a traditional holding midfielder. You know they play three of them, and they are you know if you look at Molly McGregor and Daddy, you know not one of them is like a big powerful destroyer midfielder. You know they don't really play with two sitters. They're, they're all capable of doing all three roles in the midfield almost. Um, and I'd be really interested for us to try a midfield three of Raskin, um, Cantwell and Tillman because I think Cantwell's work rate is something that's really surprised me. He's work off the ball, his ability to retain the ball and and kind of win possession high up the pitch is something that, that's impressed me. And I think Tillman's of that ilk as well. I was, you know, he, he'll still work, even if he's not having the best game, he'll still work. He's still got that work ethic. And people, I've seen people say that he's lazy. I don't think that at all. I think he's actually a really hard worker in the midfield, to be honest. Um, and I think, you know, Raskin's not a traditional sitting midfielder. He's, his first thought is, when he gets the ball, his first thought is, right, how can I progress this forward? How can I get us on the attack and get us on the front foot? You know, very often you don't see him, very often when you see him sideways pass or go back the way his first thought is always, right, forward, who can I, who can I give this to that's going to get us on attack? Um, so I think midfield three of those, um, those three I'd be keen to see potentially in the cup against Ray, I think that might be the, the perfect time to try it. You're at Ibrox, you're against a kind of lower league team, so I think that if he was going to try it, that would be the perfect time, but I just think that Bill likes this 4-3, 4-2-3-1. He likes the two sitting midfielders, and I think he would, if, I, if it was me, I would play them, but I think Michael Bill will, will stick with his kind of two sitting midfielders, to be honest. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the manager does do that moving forward, especially with the opportunity that next Sunday against uh, Reef Rovers brings. Um, on to Cantwell, then Ross um, sort of touched on his, his performance there. Um, I think for most people, he got man of the match. Um, sponsors gave it at Ibrox to Ben Davies, which I thought was a bit interesting. I thought Ben Davies was great. I thought he had a solid game, but, you know... I don't know if there's maybe a Ben Davies fanboy and the, the sponsors that wanted to meet him after the game or something like that and get his autograph. But um, for me, Cantwell was my Mary match. I don't know if you agree with that or not. But as I say yesterday, the guy the guy was everywhere. For me, Cantwell, he spoke about it after the game. He's now finding his rhythm in a Rangers shot. We knew he was maybe struggling, not for actual fitness, but match fitness and match sharpness when he first came in. He seems to have got that now. The guy's got the confidence and the ability. For me now... Cantwell's next steps and this a slight frustration I wouldn't say it's his fault it's probably what the manager's gotten but if he's playing as a 10 I would like him to sort of stay in those forward areas a wee bit more just to try and get his numbers up because that's something that he's really struggled at um, the last couple of years I don't I actually can't remember the last time he scored a goal to be honest I mean it was it was ages ago Um he's only had one assist for us so far I think it was uh, the Ross County game where he puts in that great little interchange with Morelos I think it was he crosses in for, for Tillman's header so um, is it is it really about numbers now for him going forward Ross? Um, I, I don't think it's about numbers at all actually I think that we have enough players to put the ball in the back of the net um, particularly in Morelos Cholak and Sakala Um I, th- I think if those numbers don't come, there's always going to be questions and it's easy to pick at that. It's, it's a very obvious thing. Similar to, in, in a way, to Ryan Kent. When Ryan Kent's performances dip, everyone starts talking about how he doesn't contribute enough goals. Um, it's, a, it's a fair point, but Cantwell, 
Um, very different type of player. I, I, I agree. He was all over the park um, and was you know full of energy, full of running. Um, I think his output's really good. Actually, I think he um, he he sees. I remember he, he made this comment when he signed. He feels that he can see types of passes that other people don't see. I actually think we've we've seen him attempting things where other players haven't been quite on his wavelength. So I think that preseason for him is going to be massive. Um, the, the the rest of this season is really about getting him back up to match sharpness and 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 bedding him into, I suppose, life in Glasgow. Um, I, I expect him to be a massive player for us next season. I. I had some doubts around his signing because there were um, reports from his time at Norwich that he kind of crumbled under pressure and he suffered with, you know, the, the weight of expectation at times. And that, you know, for someone then moving to, to Glasgow to play in an old firm, that makes me quite nervous. But he seems to have stood up so far. He seems to be performing really well. He's another one of those where his family's really bought into it. You can see his like his brother and his his family all the time on Twitter. Um, I think that support of your family and your community around you buying into Rangers is really, really important for someone like that when they move up to Glasgow. Um, I I think he's going to be very, very important for us. I would love to see him get some goals because I think that would start, you know, for a, a, a player like him, a creative and a forward-looking player or an attacking player, the goals will mean a lot to him. And I think he'll get a really good reception when he does score. I think that he's... He's another one of those players that the crowd are kind of buying into as much as he's buying into us. Um, he's the type of player that I can imagine in six months' time will be saying he just gets it. Like he's he's bought into the Rangers philosophy. So I hope he does score and I hope he does contribute some more numbers for probably more for his sake than anything else. But I'm very very happy with with what I've seen from him so far. Yeah, he has been good so far in. And on that, Ross, in terms of what we, we mentioned earlier about his sort of his position and where, where where can he play, one thing that I'll be really interested in when Tillman comes back is how you could possibly fit both of them in the same team because Cantwell's best position probably is a number 10. I know he can play in a variety of positions. One position that I think could be one for him is sort of that right forward side that we, that we play with. And I think... A, a reasonable comparison could be to Joe Aribo. If you remember a lot under Gerard and Beal before, Aribo was played in that sort of right side a lot of times against Celtic. I remember the, the 2 0 game at Ibrox, the Scottish Cup one, where Aribo ran Laxo Riot down that, that right hand side. Um, how, how do you think we can get both Tillman and, and Campbell in the same team? Do you think that that's a position that he could he could take up? Well, firstly, thank you for reminding me of the existence of Diego Laxalt because that was, <laughs> that was a wonderful season for us, wasn't it? Well, um, Brian, you thought Maj Edward Hill was bad, then you've got that guy, but at least he's got Shane Duffy to braid it for him. So. Exactly. exactly. That was funny, wasn't it? Um, I, I suspect, I think it's a good point. Like, How do these two guys play in the same team? I suspect what will happen is that one of them will be given a very structured, defined role, probably Malik Tillman. Um, and one of them will be allowed to be much more creative, um, exploring the space and not necessarily sticking to a defined position or a defined role. I think that Michael Beale in his coaching philosophy seems to always have one player that has a little bit more freedom and a little bit more flexibility. So when we get rid of Gio and, and Beale's come back in, we saw a different side to Ryan Kent, right? Because he's suddenly, he's all over the park a little bit more. He's 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 got a lot more freedom to wander and and just get involved in the game in, in the way that he sees fit. I suspect that in certain games, as you say, where we're trying to play Tillman, Campwell, maybe even Hadji all on the same pitch at the same time, 
I suspect that Campwell will be given a huge amount of flexibility and freedom to roam the game and, and go where he sees fit. And I think he's he's shown that he's got the versatility to to be successful in that. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's definitely um taken to life in Glasgow so far, that's for sure. And that I do like his brother's post on on Twitter all the time. He seems to be getting that an easy jet flight for Stansted up to Glasgow every every weekend. So good on him and hopefully accumulate some more easy jet points in the, the months and years to come. Um Brian Raskin as well, obviously one of the new January signings. I thought he was pretty decent yesterday. Um going forward. He just he was involved in everything, you know, um uh, you know, great and, and the fact that he's very versatile as well, not in terms of his even just his position, in terms of his style of play as well. You know, he's great at tracking runners and covering, but he's also good at going forward and, and trying to get that that ball into dangerous areas. What what did you make of his performance yesterday and how how gotten is it after seeing that you're thinking, God, if only if only he started last week against Celtic? Yeah, the thing that kind of impressed me most of it, as I said earlier, is every time he gets the ball, his first thought is forward. It's not side, it's not back the way it's right. How do I get this forward? And that's kind of almost all he's interested in when he's got the ball is, right, need to progress forward, need to play forward, and he just keeps it on the front foot. And that's kind of what you need against these teams that are going to sit in and sit deep and try and frustrate. You need your midfielders to be constantly looking forward and trying to play it into those forward areas, into the attacking players' feet and work off them. And I think there's potential there for him to get to chip in with goals as well. I don't see why he can't get, you know, between five and eight goals a season next season. Um, he, I'm sure he's got a decent shot on him as well. Um, so I don't see why he can't chip in with, with numbers in terms of goals as well as, you know, you might not get assists, which is probably the guy that plays the pass before the assist kind of thing. Um, so... I think he'll be a fantastic player for us and um, he's really aggressive in terms of his work off the ball. He'll, he's good at winning the ball. He's not afraid to, to put his foot in. He's, um, as you say, he'll track his runners. He'll, he'll kind of do the, do the dirty work as well as doing the work on the ball. Um, for me, the interesting thing will be is who partners him on a consistent basis. Is it going to be one of the current crop of midfielders or is Michael Beale got his eye on another midfielder in the summer to come in and partner him because I think he's definitely the one that you sort of build your basically field around and then it's just about finding somebody to go alongside him No definitely I think um, as you say I think we're going to start to see the best uh, Nico Raskin now going forward to the end of the season I think do you know what I know people have been saying why why bother paying the money for him when he's out of contract in six months time but if you can bed him into that squad and, you know, get him up up and running for the start of next season where he just starts sort and goes off yeah. to a flyer think, and we win the league next year. Yeah. It'll seem like a snippet, won't it? I think games like like yesterday prove why we paid that money for both Canwell and Raskin. We get them in early. Because come the summer they've had that experience as as Ross said, you know, the, they should then be settled into to life in Glasgow, which I think as fans we probably don't take we don't take that into consideration when players come in. I think we just expect that they arrive here, they get set up in a nice house, and then they just go on the pitch and they play. It's probably I'm going. To, I'm going to guess it's not quite as easy as that. I'm going to guess it's quite a big. I mean that seems that seems pretty easy. I wouldn't mind that in my work, just getting set up with a big cushion, and then all you need to do is go and play football at the weekend. 
I'm going to I'm going to guess that there's a bit more to it than that, especially <laughs> if you're coming from from Belgium like Raspinum. I don't know his family situation. I don't know if he's got a partner that's not here yet. All of that sort of thing plays into you know how somebody settles in and. How many times have we seen, you know, fantastic players come over and the reason it doesn't work out isn't because of talent, but it's because they just can't stay in the city or they can't stay away mm. life in Glasgow or any new club. And I think having that extra six months where because the league, you know, we're not expecting them to turn that around, it'd be great if they did, but nobody's expecting it. So maybe there's, you could argue there's a bit less pressure on them now than there will be at the start of the season. So they'll have that bedding in time. They'll know their teammates. They'll know the manager. They know what he expects of them. So hopefully they'll be kind of hitting the ground running when it comes to the new season. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point you make about about settling in. From from what I've kind of seen on on Instagram, I think Raskin's got a pretty a pretty good unit around him. Of I don't know, like if you know, I don't know his relationship status, but. Um, I know he's got a good solid group of, of pals around him that have been up a few times and, and he's been posting about them a lot, so that's good. Speaking of Instagram as well, I've just seen that Michael Beale's been cutting about with, with Falcons today. So if you want to know what the Rangers manager gets up to after a, a hard-earned victory at the weekend, then you've got that update on Jailsnet if you want to head over to Michael Beale's Instagram page. Um, but I think in terms of settling in as well, it is, it's... I think it's something Michael Beale does like to do. Like you can tell the guy's very good at building relationships with people of all cultures, faiths, backgrounds. You know, has when you're at Liverpool and Chelsea, you know, it's not just English players that you're working with, it's you know, players from all over the world. He's obviously been to Brazil. He's built up an extensive sort of contacts list from from all over the world. And I think you've seen that sort of helping players settle in well the most the season that we won the league because if you're a player like, I suppose, Had Hadji was already here, but the guys like Ruth, Cedric Kitten and whatnot can be very, very difficult to settle in a new city, especially when you've been told you can't leave the house. Um, so the fact that he was able to do that for guys like, especially the likes of Ruth as well, who, you know, I know a lot of people are desperate to get rid of him because of his injury situation, stuff like that, but he just loves living in Glasgow. He's got a lot of a vested interest up here now and you know when the time does come for Kamara to leave it's going to be one that I think he'll personally be quite upset by because of, of how much he loves it up here never mind the club um, so Michael Beale definitely does have that ability and, and Ross one of the comments that the manager made in the press conference yesterday was about Cholak he said that was probably the the most pleasing um, aspect of his um, of the performance yesterday, thought Cholak was was immense. You know, he put himself about. He got um, obviously the assist for for Sakala's goal. It was a wee bit weird, I felt, because I thought Cholak was going to turn around and hit it, but it was almost like when he just gave it to Sakala, he just went on. You go, wee man. I know you've missed a couple of chances. You need a goal, so so you go and do it. And fair play to Sakala, he absolutely buried it, but. What did you make a Cholak's performance yesterday, Ross? Yeah, I think after that we start a campaign to to nominate Cholak as the nicest man in football because yeah, he's, absolutely served that up on a plate for Sakala. After Sakala was clearly visibly getting frustrated at missing a couple of big chances, um, I tell you, know, Morelos would never have done that. Morelos <laughs> would have turned the other way and, and belted it. So, um, look, Cholak is a really interesting one. He's he's clearly a good footballer. Um, I kind of underestimated or undervalued him until we played Ross County at home, um, probably October time, I can't, I can't really remember, but he scored two, I think we won 4-0, um, and he scored two wonderful goals and had a really, really good performance. He's been really unfortunate with his injury, 
And I think it's one that he was just coming back and he broke down again and, and, and had a couple of setbacks. So in and out of the team, always going to be difficult for him to come in and disrupt and displace Morelos. Um, he, I, I, I thought he played really well, actually. I thought he did his role really well and despite not scoring, um, as you say, he provided one for Sakala. He was always a threat. He was always busy. Um, I like him. I don't know what his future is, though. I don't know. I mean, there's no real resale value there. He's, what, 29, 30 years of age, something like that. Um, he's been good, but as I say, he's been unfortunate with injury. Um, so he's not been able to kind of set Scottish football on fire as maybe he would have liked. Um, so I would, as much as I do like him and I do think he's a good player, I would also not be disappointed to see us try and replace him in the summer because I think we could probably do better in terms of the business side of things, someone with, you know a bit younger with more potential and resale and that kind of thing, someone that fits the model a bit better. That being said, to the you know to the original question, yeah, I thought he played really well, and um, I was really really pleased to see him back in because he's clearly a, a very likable big guy, very good footballer for this level. Um, would like to see him get a few more goals and, and end the season on a high. Oh, absolutely. I, I thought he was a Manchester yesterday. Um, and it's something that he kind of gets tired with as well. You know, the, the whole sort of work rate thing, he doesn't do it and he kind of gets compared to, to Chris Boyd a wee bit in that aspect. Or he can only score goals. Well, to be honest, if he can only score goals, then I would much rather that than someone that, that worked hard. But I think that is doing Cholak a bit of a disservice because, you know, the guy, he drops deep quite a lot. Um, sometimes he was actually going back into... Um, sort of rang Jack's position I think he did once or, or twice during the game so he's a guy that gets about and that's something that you know we've talked about it we're asking we've talked about it we can't well we've got players that you know the work rate is there I don't quite think it was there maybe under Gio I don't know if that was an effort point of view or maybe just the way that Gio was playing where you need to be really disciplined you need to stay in the same position especially the wingers and you know I think that didn't help the likes of Ryan Kent with how, how isolated he was and, you know, his numbers under Gio just, just weren't good at all. And, you know, obviously that that's picked up um a little bit. So no, hopefully um he can continue to perform El Cholak um going forward. And obviously we've got a, a big game at Easter Road and Wednesday that we're going to talk about. I think first first things first. Morelos will probably come back in um for Cholak. I think it's the right game for Morelos uh, he loves these occasions, he loves scoring against Tibbs. Um, you know, surprised that he never actually started yesterday because Morelos has got a great record against Kelly. Got my bet as well because, um, you know, I had him on his score twice and he's getting subbed on me like 10 minutes to go. So thanks very much to the manager for, for making me lose a fiver there. But um, Brian, big game Wednesday, Hibbs. It's never easy at Easter Road, is it? We always, we always seem to to make it difficult for ourselves over there. Um, you know, the last time we went there was just a really, really poor performance. We got in the league with that penalty from Tav. They equalise um, Tom Lawrence, who sadly is out for, for the rest of the season, scored a, a great header to put his, put his back in the lead. And then we had the two red cards. And Morelos one probably deserved. And obviously the Lundstrom one, which wasn't. Then there was about 40 minutes of, of time added on. And, and Hibbs got a, a window goal at the end to to get that equaliser. So, um, 
I've got down here, you know, Michael Beale has passed out with Celtic pretty much every test that he's been faced with. I think that he has had a difficult start in terms of the opposition that he's faced. He's now, apart from Celtic Park on Wednesday, he will have been to pretty much every typical, you know, difficult away ground. He's managed to go to Pataudry and win, being a goal down. We dominated at Tynecastle. You know, we've been to Rugby Park, a place that he struggled at before with, with the previous regime. So, um, hopefully on Wednesday, Brian, this is another test that the manager can pass. Yeah, hopefully. I think it's obviously going to be a difficult game. It's, you know, it's a night game. It's not on UK TV, so you'd imagine it'll be... Is it not? Houses. No, I don't think Sky has shown it. It's, Mm, that's another masterstroke yeah. by Sky. Celtic are playing yeah. Hearts on Wednesday as well, not because that's at Celtic Park. I doubt that'll be on the telly either. So. No, that's not on telly. Big, big up Neil Doncaster and that amazing yeah, team. We need, yeah, we need to give thanks to those big wigs at the SPFL that brought home this wonderful TV deal that we're locked into until 2029. Ah, well, only oh. six years to go. Yeah. Who could have predicted that was a bad idea, eh? Yeah, it's, it's almost as if we, you know, we, we want an investigation into all this and actually even offered to pay for it, but no, carry on, Brian, sorry. Yeah, um, so I'm I'm going to imagine it'll be close to a full house or as close to a full house as Hibsky Muster. Um, so it'll be, you know, a difficult game. The fans will be up for it. They, Of course, they love it when Rangers come to town and, and they can take points off us, so they'll be up for it. Um, it's another test for Michael Beale. He's kind of passed everyone so far, apart from, as you say, against Celtic. We've been to Tynecastle and we won there comfortably. So hopefully we go to Easter Road and win just as comfortably, I think. It'll be in, the team lineup will be interesting. I, I suspect they won't want to make too many changes. I suspect they'll want to kind of go as close to the same again as, as they can in terms of fitness. I know he said that Jack and Raskin were tiring. So I wonder if maybe he thinks it's not. They can't go again, you know, two or three days later. So that'll be interesting. Um, I think, as you say, Morelos will probably come in for Chola. This is the type of game that Morelos loves in terms of being able to bully defenders and play that kind of lone striker role. He's, we know that he loves that sort of battle, so I think he'll be right up for this one. And maybe want to prove a bit of a point after being left out yesterday. He doesn't like um, not starting games, as we've seen by his reaction when he was taken off last weekend. Um, so hopefully he's right up for a couple of goals and uh, I think as you say you know the league the quality in the league isn't great out with field for him so hoping this can be another kind of good performance and a comfortable win would, would do me nicely Oh no, any type of one at Easter Road would do me nicely um, a comfortable one would be even better um, but as a place that you know we, we struggle traditionally to go to and, and pick up results you know it's kind of expected Hibs a wee bit like Aberdeen that you know even though they've got the Edinburgh Derby playing against Rangers still seems to be the biggest game of their season um, but you know that's just uh, that's their prerogative I suppose um, Ross Brown mentioned there the, the possible team uh, one thing I think will be interesting is that midfield I've got a feeling that Lundstrom's going to start um, I would play the same midfield um, three I think the manager said that Tillman probably isn't going to make it Wednesday which will be a blow because we know what he can do um, and we'll probably be looking to get him back in um, against Strafe next weekend I just think Lundstrom might come in for Jack because Jack just cannot seem to play two matches in a week and I'm, I'm a wee bit concerned about, about Lundstrom coming back after 
let's face it, it was a strong performance against Celtic. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, firstly, Ryan Jack doesn't seem to have the, the fitness or the longevity to play two games in, in five days or whatever it is, um, which is a concern, of course, and, and, and an, another area that needs to be looked at for recruitment in the summer. I suppose the, the, the obvious thing to say is that John Lundstrom, on the face of it, brings a bit of steel and fight to that midfield, a bit of um, a, bit of a hard man edge for want of a better word, that, that, that maybe um, a Raskin or a Cantwell might not, or a Tillman might not. Um, and maybe that's what you want on a, on a wet, cold Wednesday night in Leith, um, is, is someone that's not afraid to stand up and, and, and it's not going to you know, cower in an intimidating atmosphere. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Hibs are resurgent at the moment. Um, I was listening to, to the sports sound um, uh, the podcast version that they do this t- uh, today and again you know they've got a good result yesterday um, their, their players are playing well they're scoring goals they've obviously lost Porteous in January but he's, he's been replaced um, and and it's, you know they're, they're not showing any vulnerability at the back so a very very difficult game I think it'll be won or lost in midfield I think we need to um take our chances when they come along. I agree that Morelos will come in. Morelos loves these games. Morelos loves winding them up. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I agree. I don't think John Lundstrom's had a good season at all. Um, and, and John Lundstrom has underperformed, in my opinion, for the best part of a year now. Um, so that does give me some concern. But with, with Ryan Jack not being able to make it, I'd rather have the likes of Lundstrom come in than, than a Scotty Arfield. Um, so it might be that the manager's hand is forced a little bit here, um, but it's a tough game. And as 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 you mentioned a few moments ago, Beal has stood up to every other test in uh, in the league, has gone to every other so-called difficult venue, with the exception of Parkhead, and got results. So I think he's kind of earned our backing and our support on that one. And um, yeah, look, I. I on paper, we're still the better team. We're the stronger team. Confidence in the stands is, it feels like it's really low at the moment, but that doesn't necessarily mean that confidence on the pitch is low. Um, and I think it's a game that if we go into this thinking it's a hard game, thinking that we're beaten, then we will be beaten. Um, I think uh, I'm sure Beal will have them fired up. Beal is also a character who knows exactly how much this means to all of us. You know, we've seen him picking fights with John Kennedy on touchlines. We've seen him getting heated Um so I am sure that he will have those players fired up. No, I absolutely will. And like you say, Morelos <laughs> love, loves these games. It's weird when Morelos, he kind of loves the games in between the smaller opposition and, and Celtic, you know, your Hibs, your Aberdeens and whatnot. But I, it'll be interesting to see who he starts to pick fights with now that Portis isn't there. I'm actually a wee bit disappointed that Portis isn't there anymore because um, the guy was prone to a wee howler or two against us because he just clearly did get, get wound up and, and played the occasion and not the game. Ross, you touched on, on Lundstrom there a wee bit. Where do you kind of stand on, on where he is in his future? I think, realistically, he is going to stay. You know, I don't, I can't see he's selling him. I, I think the manager likes him. Whenever he talks about senior players, Lundstrom has only been in for just over a year. He is one of the senior players in the team. Um... I, I still think there is a place for him there. I still think you can do good in that in that Raskin role. I think it would be good maybe next season to have him and Raskin sort of alternate um, between the two. Um, I just have that concern with Lundstrom, mostly against Celtic, where for me, 
kind of similar. I made the way to get Portis there, but I think Lundstrom can do that as well. I think you find that he'll give the ball away, and when he does give the ball away, he just seems to lose it up there, and he'll go in and he'll start doing things that he wouldn't normally do. Um, he doesn't really make any bad or, or really terrible challenges or anything like that. I just think that he tries a wee bit too harder, and I think when he does that, he ends up making more mistakes, sadly. So, what's your sort of position on, on where Lundstrom is right now? Yeah, it's it, it's a shame for him because he seems to be one of those players that when he has a bad game, he has a really bad game. Like He never just has a, a 5 out of 10. Um, he, he goes on to have a shocker and I think you're right. I think he kind of tries to overcorrect what he's done wrong and it just all falls apart for him. Um, like I said a moment ago, since the Europa League semi-final against Leipzig, he's kind of been on a downward trajectory and it's it's not really clicked for him. But he was one of our best performers in that 55 season, wasn't he? So if, um, well, well, I don't know. I, I, I believe that Mike Beale can get the, the best out of him. Um, I, I still think there's a place for him. I don't think the player will want to go anywhere. He's 29 years of age now. Um, he probably realises he's not going to get another move back to the Premier League in England. He's not going to get a bigger money deal than he's got at the moment here. So I... Uh, I, I, I don't see him going anywhere. I don't see anyone else coming in for him. And I do still think there's a place for him. I, I suspect you're right that he kind of needs to get his head sorted in these bigger occasion games and that when when one thing goes wrong, don't let it unravel and don't let it affect your whole performance. Um, I would love to see he can be such an important player. Chips in with goals. You know, uh, we, we saw him obviously get the, the, the winner against Leipzig to put us in the Europa League final. Um seen him score some some really good long-range efforts. There's one against Hearts that stands out, um, scored a long-range goal uh, back in October. Maybe not October of last season, I can't remember now, but uh, Ibrox from outside the box against Hearts. He's a good player. He's a good player who feels like he's in a sort of prolonged, fury, prolonged period of bad form at the moment. Um, he could be very, very important for us in, in big games. So I hope to see McBeal keep him in, and, and get the best out of him next season. Yeah, let's hope that can be the case. And just before we end then, Ross, what's your, your prediction for the, the game on Wednesday? I think it'll be tight. Um, I think it'll be really tight. I think it's a really, really hard game. Um, I think both teams will score. I think we'll nick it 2-1. All right, I'll take that. Brian, we'll finish up with you. What's, what's your prediction for Wednesday? I'm going to go 2-0 Rangers. I would rather that than 2-1, um, but I'll take either or. Um I think it could be very similar to Tencastle a few weeks ago. I'll say 3-0. Um, I'm confident going into this. Um, I think that these types of games when we're playing, you know, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, or Thursday, Sunday, as, as we all wish those days could come back again, um, we just seem to be, be clicking. We did it a lot under Gerard and Bill the last time. Um, and, you know, for me, it's another another test ticked off if, if we, can, we can go there. But... 2-1, 2-0, 3-0, as long as Rangers win, um, we'll be absolutely delighted with that. And we'll just finish up um, there, guys. Just before we go, though, um, obviously we are live on YouTube right now. It will be available um, afterwards as well on the YouTube channel. But um, round about tomorrow morning, um, you will be able to download the podcast on all your usual podcast providers, such as um, Google Podcasts and Spotify as well. And we'll be back on Tuesday. Um, with Alec and David Fraser to give you a more in-depth preview um, of the Hibs game where I'm sure 
Alec will give you a lot of stats about all the times we've been to Easter Road and won, lost, drew. Um, hopefully he mentions a certain game that happened in May 2005, which would be pretty good. Um, but Brian, thanks very much for joining me tonight. Good to have you on again. No worries, good to be on. Good, and you as well, Ross, good to be on. My pleasure, thank you for having me. No worries, guys. Thanks very much, and we'll see you back on Tuesday with the Preview Pod. Cheerio, bye.